Destination Medicine is a collaborative initiative of regional training hubs. With first-hand lessons learned from those who have gone before, this podcast is designed to assist and inspire anyone interested in pursuing a medical career in rural and regional Australia. Welcome to Destination Medicine. I'm Nicole Goodman. Dr. Daniel Stewart's the first to admit that it took him quite a while to reach his medical destination. These days, he's a specialist emergency physician in Dubbo and loving it. But he sure took a circuitous road to get there. First, there was his rowing career, representing Australia three times at world champion events. He scraped through his HSC, part-time at a local TAFE college, started an arts degree, converted to psychology all the time still rowing, by the way, and it was only at the end of his psychology degree, with his rowing career now over, that he finally took stock of his future. What should he do? A friend suggested medicine, which he'd previously discounted. He didn't think he was bright enough. But he decided to give it a crack, and finally his medical career began at Sydney University. As it turned out, it was the perfect vocational choice. We'll let Dan explain more about his circuitous route to rural medicine and why he believes all medical students should give themselves a chance and time to work out their own medical destinations. So how, asks Heather Dawson, did he come to specialist emergency medicine? Most people who go into medicine flirt with the different specialties at one time or another. So surgery was something that popped up on the radar pretty early in the medical training. But then, like most people, it sort of dissipates not long after. Some people stick around and do it, of course. But the main interest areas were always emergency medicine, paediatrics, general practice was the primary goal as a rural general practitioner throughout most of my medical degree. And I had a bit of a dalliance with psychiatry, but I found that I was getting too much counter-transference and so needed to move away from psych into the more traditional areas. What were some of the key influences, would you say, along your training pathway, both as a student and as an intern? I've had a lot of access to good mentors through my medical training. One of the first was Dr Michael Golding, who is still a practising emergency physician in New South Wales, And I met him during an elective in Sutherland Hospital in Sydney. And he was the first doctor that I'd ever met that made me feel like I had a place in the world of medicine. Of course, he was an emergency physician. Along the way, there have been several other charismatic individuals as well who tended to gravitate towards rural practice or critical care, emergency medicine, but also some other clinicians who have a clinical philosophy that was appealing to me at the time and still is. And perhaps you could tell us a little bit about the pathway you took to fellowship and why you chose certain locations and specialty rotations. The pathway for me started in Dubbo, where I did my final year of medical school in Dubbo for a year and then stayed in Dubbo for another three years as an intern and then a resident. And then I started my emergency medicine training here in Dubbo, where I did six months in paediatric and six months in emergency medicine. But like most specialty training programs, you need to do some time in the city. So I went back to Sydney where I grew up, fully anticipating to stay in Sydney from that point onwards. 
whilst I was there, I worked in intensive care and emergency medicine, a few other specialty fields, but in lots of different locations as well around Sydney. So I had a bit of a taste of most of the tertiary hospitals. But it wasn't long after getting to Sydney that I realised that certainly the lifestyle was not a lifestyle that I enjoyed anymore or could tolerate anymore, to be more accurate. But the medicine as well, I missed the rural medicine that we were practising in the emergency department here in Dubbo. So after two years in Sydney, I went to Tamworth for two years and finished my training and did some time in retrieval in the Westpac Rescue Helicopter became a fellow at the end of that time there and since then I've done some retrieval in the Northern Territory and some specialist work in the Northern Territory as well in Darwin and then finally came back to Dubbo where I've been working full-time as a specialist emergency physician. Mm. Is that where your heart's firmly set now on rural medicine and in Dubbo? Yes it's definitely firmly set on rural medicine. The package is just so appealing and rewarding certainly as an emergency clinician working in a rural referral hospital Dubbo as a location has got under my skin over the years and I love living here and I love the lifestyle. For the foreseeable future, I see myself staying in Dubbo, but long term, I'd find it quite difficult to transition back to a tertiary hospital to do tertiary emergency medicine which is metropolitan medicine. Well, Dan, you've navigated the system, but you say there are a standard set of barriers to taking up a rural medical career. What are they? The first barrier usually is the lack or availability of specialist training programs. Not all specialist pathways have programs that you can do the preponderance of your training in a rural setting. Some of them are pretty obvious, like cardiothoracic surgery or neurosurgery, you'd need to go to a tertiary hospital in Sydney. But um, it's surprising how difficult it is sometimes for other specialties that do practice a wide range of medicine in rural areas that don't have set training programs or easily accessible training programs. The College of Physicians is a good example, although there are training programs that are being developed, have been developed and are being subscribed to, which is good to see. Overall, the lack of Easily accessible training programs for your specialist training pathways in rural medicine is probably the biggest standard barrier for people who are interested in training in rural areas. The rate limiting step almost always, once even if you do have a training pathway, is your social situation, particularly with partners. We have a lot of people who love working in the emergency department in a rural area and would come here to train, but their partner doesn't have the same training opportunities or just doesn't want to come. That's probably the biggest obstacle that we face is trying to find appropriate work or pathways or whatever for interested candidates' partners. And it's important because almost always during the phase of training where you're doing your specialist training, that's the phase in life where you are putting down roots People are getting married, they're having children, the kids are going to school. It's a very important time that if you're going to try and increase the rural workforce to lock people down by providing avenues for social progression and bring the kids into school and appealing pathways for the partners. It's unfortunate, isn't it, that myths abound perhaps about what it's really like to live in rural areas. Oh yeah, the world is full of myths on the matter. It's professional and social. The classic myths are that it's career suicide. You need to be in a big centre to get the references that you need and the opportunities that you need. 
that you'll somehow be deficient in your skills and experience. These are myths that persist to this day. They were myths that were around when I was a student and when you speak to students now, they're exactly the same. It's all garbage. The reality is that you have greater opportunities for experience and exposure for training opportunities. you, In terms of getting references from senior clinicians, it's much easier in rural areas because we form individual relationships with our trainees. We all have friends who work in metropolitan areas, so it's quite easy to call up colleagues in the city and say, I have a fantastic candidate here who'd do very well in your department. Would you be interested in seeing them? It runs very smoothly. So most of those myths, they've been demonstrated to be rubbish and don't play out in the real world, but they're, they're very resilient and persistent and they hang around to this day. <laughs> so what's your approach with uh, the junior medicos who rotate through the department? Do you have any takeaway messages for them? Yeah. So the main approach of the people who rotate through the department is to be very welcoming and inclusive and we tend to form good individual one-on-one relationships with our junior staff because we work so closely together. The message about rural medicine is that everything that walks in the door of a tertiary hospital in Sydney walks in our doors as well. But we get a collection of cases and emergencies that come through our doors commonly that rarely, if ever, walk in the doors of a tertiary hospital, for instance, in Sydney. So we get a broad scope of practice just from the case mix that walks in the door. The other message as well is because we are remote, we don't have some of the super specialties that are present in Sydney, for example, neurosurgery. So one of the benefits, if you're interested in this kind of medicine working in a rural area, is if a patient walks in the door or gets wheeled in the door with an axe in their head, We can't take the axe out, but we need to look after them for three or four hours before the helicopter arrives to take them away. In Sydney, if someone walks in with an axe in their head, they tend to go straight to the operating theatre and the emergency physician has little to do with them or certainly doesn't have the length of time that we would have with them here. And this kind of work is very rewarding and it's fascinating and it appeals to a certain brand of clinician And a lot of the juniors who come through here tend to be those clinicians because they've self-selected to come out to places like Dubbo. And then the next step is usually dealing with those obstacles that we referred to earlier. The other message that I often send to the juniors, particularly about Dubbo, is that it's not the nicest place going around, but it's nice enough. (laughs) (laughs) And what do you mean by that, Dan? Well, we don't have a harbour with a beautiful bridge and a beach, but not everybody needs that to feel complete. There's a lot of horrible beauty about the inland that does appeal to me and appeals to some other people as well. Inland Australia is a fascinating place and it's very heterogeneous, whereas I find the beach culture of Australia to be a little bit too homogenous for my tastes. I like the variability and it is beautiful out here in its own way. And the lifestyle is just fantastic. I don't have a commute to get to work. It takes me four minutes to drive from my house into work. Just the idea of commuting just doesn't exist. So you have a lot more time to do the things in life that aren't work-related. And you can socialise and you make connections with the community and the friends. And life seems a lot fuller and a lot richer living in a place like this. And that's what I missed when I went back to Sydney. It was like I'd taken a bite from the apple off the tree of knowledge and I could never go back. I wasn't anticipating to have issues being back in Sydney when I went back. But within two or three months, 
I realised that I wasn't going to be able to stay in Sydney for the long term. And that's the message sometimes that we find that our junior staff come to their own conclusions about it as well. They realise after being here that there are a lot of benefits to being in a rural location with a rural lifestyle. And it's not until you get here and you live here and you're invested in the community and you've spent a bit of time here that these other benefits start to become apparent. Can I ask you a bit about your choice to work in emergency medicine? Why is it so important to you? Why have you selected emergency medicine? And do you think it takes a certain type of doctor to be really good at it? I'll start with the type of doctor. Yes, I think it does. You sort of need two criteria. You need to be interested in critical care of critically ill patients. There's sort of three specialties that look after that. Emergency medicine, intensive care medicine, and then anaesthetics as well. There's a little bit of bleed into other specialties, but they're the three main critical care specialties. And then the second thing that you need for long term, I think, to work in emergency medicine is you need to be comfortable with uncertainty. And that's what I talk to young people who are interested in critical care and not sure which direction to head in. If you can't tolerate uncertainty and not knowing, then emergency medicine probably isn't going to be a great choice because you need to be comfortable with not always knowing what's going on, being able to make decisions with a paucity of information, getting it wrong sometimes, being able to accurately assess and tolerate risk. If you have those two ingredients, then I think that you have the necessary psychological ingredients to have a successful career in emergency medicine. There's a lot of reward in this branch of medicine. It's a big cliche, but you're genuinely saving lives on a nearly daily basis. Is that why you chose to pursue emergency medicine? I think a big reason why I ended up doing emergency medicine was because I used to be a cook during my first degree and my first job was in a kitchen as well. And working in an emergency department is a lot like working in a kitchen where you never know what's going to come in from the orders. You have to somehow make sense of what's arrived. You have to do something about it and all the orders need to go out as well. And you can get 300 orders or you can get three It's unpredictable and it's high stress as well. And I quite enjoyed working in the kitchen. It was a natural sort of progression for me to move into the emergency department where a lot of the skills that I developed managing the kitchen were directly transferable into managing an emergency department. It was kind of weird being in that situation. In fact, I've never been as stressed in the emergency department as I've been stressed in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, that explains it all, Dan. Now... Finally, before we let you go, I understand that you've set up a group named the Dubbo Dead Physicians Society. So what's that all about? The Dubbo Dead Physicians Society is at a superficial level, but quite importantly, it's a journal club where interested doctors get together and talk about high quality evidence. It's also a bit of a social club. It's open up to the whole hospital, whether you're doctors, nurses, physios, partners, There's a bit of philosophy in it and a little bit of history in it as well. And there's a bit of a pantomime and we get together and we have a few drinks and a bite to eat and we read journal articles to each other. It's the ultimate nerd club. But it's also a response to what many of us see is the wrong direction that medical training has been taking in some respects for a while now. And I won't get into the details, but we see this manifest is a reliance upon testing, a reliance upon numbers, and a diminishment of the importance of the clinical approach, being at the bedside, speaking to the patient, overall clinical medicine. 
And it doesn't really have a name, but what we call this approach, evidence-based clinical minimalism. And what sort of characterizes physicians and doctors in this group is we have very strong knowledge of evidence. We have very strong knowledge of what the tests are good for and what the numbers mean, but then we also know what the limitations are and we have a very strong clinical approach. And so it's nice to get this group of people together to talk about it and discuss ideas and provide an avenue for the juniors coming through medical students and junior doctors to see senior clinicians who practice like this because it's inherently interesting and rewarding and we're getting a lot of good feedback because I think what we're seeing is that junior doctors and medical students, they sense that the tests have limitations and we can't do MRIs on every patient who walks in the door that we do need to re-engage and have a more compassionate, empathic clinical approach sometimes to our patients and that's what the Dead Physician Society is, is a little bit about. Okay, well final question and from a rural perspective of course, what advice would you give to a, a medical student who's just not sure about the career path to take? That's normal. I distrust medical students who know exactly what they want to do. Go through the process of medical school, you'll find things that you're interested in and things that appeal to you and your natural strengths and then you'll start whittling away the areas of medicine that don't appeal to you or suit you. Generally speaking, when you pop out of medical school, if you've got an idea of about two to four specialties, that's, that's a good start. Because some of the specialties, you won't really get a good flavour of what they're like until you're working in them as an intern or resident. I'd also suggest that identify mentors and archetypes in the clinicians around you. Everybody wants to be a good doctor, but nobody actually really knows what a good doctor is. So identify people that you think are already good doctors and hang out with them, spend time with them, adopt their practices ask them questions, ask them why they think the things that they think, why do they make the decisions that they make. Also potentially keep an eye out for doctors that you don't want to be like and just think there's some things that that doctor might do that you don't want to do and so you get an idea and construct your own way forwards. It's like making a statue out of clay. It takes time but it will take form. Dr Daniel Stewart, Specialist Emergency Physician, Dubbo. This is Destination Medicine. Thanks for listening. Regional training hubs are supported by funding from the Australian Government under the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Programme.